Welcome to another episode of Showrunners, presented by Sidious Mag, one of the only good websites. I'm here with Jeff Merrill from Portland Track. He's the most handsome man in the world, the most sarcastic track announcer, and we're excited to be here to talk about the 1991 film Hook. Jeff and I are going to be taking you to the second star on the right, and we're going straight on till morning. Jeff, I want to start it off with this question. Did you watch this movie on an old VHS, or did you stream it? Um... Well, first of all, it's great to be here, Scott. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I realize that uh, I think this might be might be my first time. It definitely is my first time on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. So it, it's just, it smells different in here. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but um, I, I would like to say that, yeah, I think the first time that I watched this was on a VCS. The, the most recent time was not. Uh, I streamed it. And I think I watched it maybe three more times in the last few weeks leading up to this conversation. Wow. Uh, yeah, because we had planned on having this conversation a few weeks back, but then you kept pushing it out for reasons unbeknownst to me. I'm a busy guy, Jeff. I'm a busy guy. Um, no, it's great to have you. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, why did you pick Hook? Just to let's start it off there. Why did I pick Hook? Um well, before we start again, Scott, I just want to say that it is an absolute pleasure for me to be here. I realize that uh, um, the guests that you've had on this show are, are stars in the sport. I mean, you've got people like Kate Grace, uh, Steph Rothstein, Bruce. She's been on this show. Um, Ryan Sterner, Chris Chavez, uh, Woody McQuaid. It's- <laughs> So it's a star-studded lineup here, and I, I mean, I, I'm not the slowest person to ever be on the show, but I'm the least famous, I think, to ever be on the show. So thank you again for, for having me on here. What was the question? Sorry. What, why? You're very welcome. I'm, I'm, very, I'm looking forward to this a lot, uh, but my question was, why did you pick Hook? Oh, well, Scott, um, I think, as you know, like movies are all about how they make you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Hook... Uh, for me, it just it has all of the the fear and trepidations of childhood in it, uh, and and the wonder that comes with that too. Uh, it's captured in this film, so I uh, that definitely did it for me. And I and it came out in 1991, which I don't know if you were born yet, but I was three years old, and I do remember it coming out actually, like that. Really? Yeah, that's a memory that I have, and I remember going through the stores in Toys R Us and seeing like the or the, the halls in there and seeing the pan sword. And I had a little hook action figure and stuff. They had happy meal toys at McDonald's. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this is a, this is an actual memory for me. And uh, I was a big fan. I think it's also the first time that uh, I was introduced to a, a multifaceted villain in a movie. Mm-hmm. And that really, I mean, ever since then, I've been a big fan of villains. Big villain guy. Yeah. I'm a uh, big villain guy. Yeah, so I was born in 1991, so this probably came out a few months before I was born. But I do remember watching it basically every time I stayed home from school sick. So we had the VHS, uh, we, you know, you just pop it in and you got to see weirdo Dennis Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman, sorry. And uh, I'm still hung up on you calling Woody, Woody McQuaid, which is not his name. Is that Woody, not his name? No, Woody Kincaid. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Dennis McQuaid, Dennis, man, I was, I'm, I'm all thrown. Anyways, I remember seeing Dustin Hoffman, big weirdo. I didn't know anything about him. I always thought he was a guy from Hook. Years later, I watched The Graduate and realized that's what he's actually 
famous from. Uh, and seeing Robin Williams and I just, I very, it's a very like distinct memory in my childhood was like watching this movie many times over. Yeah. I think, uh, for, for nineties kids, it, it was definitely a, a huge film. And I think I'm interested to hear what people think about it, who, who aren't from the nineties or who didn't grow up in the nineties, like kids these days, Gen Z, uh, or even older folks. I know the reviews were not good, but I mean, for people of our generation, it just seems like, yeah, this is a, this is a real banger, a banger anger. Yeah. A banger anger. Well, Jeff, I'm sorry to uh, burst your bubble, but I haven't dug a ton into the analytics. I don't think I have many listeners who are born after 2000. I think most of our listeners are going to be 90s kids, which is good for this, but uh, we won't be able to get a lot ton of, um, ton of perspective. I think it will be more 90s kids and often also probably some 80s kids. Well, that's good because all of our viewers on Tracklandia were born before 1965. So, great. perfect. Yeah. We're, we're a great intersection here. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, we're introducing new markets to each other. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, little information about Hook. As Jeff said, came out in 1991. Um, budget of $70 million, made $300 million at the box office, which is huge. It's the sixth highest grossing pirate movie of all time behind the five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. This movie was directed by Steven Spielberg, who has since basically disavowed it. He seems extremely ashamed of it. Um, starring, stars Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Spielberg, Williams, and Hoffman did not take salaries for the film. Their deals called for them to split 40% of TriStar Pictures gross revenues, and they were to receive $20 million of the first $50 million of the uh in the film's gross theatrical film re rentals, TriStar keeping the next $70 million in rentals. Can I just say that that's very generous of them for foregoing a salary to create this thing? Yeah, I think it was definitely altruistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a story that needs to be told and I'm, and I'm glad they realized that. Yeah, uh, I think, of course, wonderful, wonderful choice on their part. Uh, the film was nominated for five uh, Academy Awards, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, Best Original Song, and they lost all of them. Yeah, as so it goes. Yeah, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. 29? 29, Roger Ebert. What do you think he gave it? Two and a half. Two stars. What? He wrote, the sad thing about the screenplay for Hook is that it's so correctly titled. This whole construction is really nothing more than a hook on which to hang the new version of Peter Pan's story. No efforts made to involve Peter's magic in the changed world he now inhabits, and little thought has been given to Captain Hook's extraordinary persistence in wanting to revisit the events of the past. The failure in Hook is its inability to reimagine the material, to find something new, fresh, or urgent to do with the Peter Pan myth. I mean, How does that make you feel right off the bat? This is a tough way to start the pod for you. I mean, it's definitely a gut punch. Uh, who am I to tell Raj how to do his job, though? Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. I mean, they all seem like good criticisms from a from a thoughtful guy. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I think that there are some missing pieces to the story. And I, I think what this film offers is some good uh, snapshots and scenes, definitely some uh, some good sequences. Uh, but yeah, the, the overall story arc is, is not the greatest. 
And I, I want more. First of all, I, I'm what pissed me off when I watched the movie was at the very end when they just tried to throw the whole thing away and be like, and have, have Peter lying under a statue. Like he was just, he had a drunken night out on the town or something. And that, and this was all just a dream that really made me angry. Like this is, I want movie magic and I want them to acknowledge that this is a real thing and that he is the real Peter Pan, which they kind of did coming back. Cause then they showed Tinkerbell on the statue and it's like, Oh, well, Tinkerbell can't be real if Peter Pan is not real, but so there are some, there are some holes in the plot there. I think, I don't know yeah. if you're even realizing what I'm referring to here. No, I, I gotcha. Um, I, Yes, I think the the mechanisms by which the two worlds, Neverland and the real world, are not well explained. Um, and it's very confusing. Uh, I don't necessarily know if, like, I feel like this movie took itself a little too seriously. Like, if it had just been, like, 10% sillier, yeah, I wouldn't care. If That's it where was, the like, corny parts come from. There's yeah. some corny parts. There are there are some corny parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, this movie really made a ton of money, made a ton of money, and basically isn't that good. But it was still fun to watch. It's definitely a fun movie, not necessarily a good movie. Well, yeah, let me let me stop you right there and uh, <laughs> with the not not a good movie thing. I mean, this is one of those things where you can look at it from a bunch of different angles. And I think back to my original statement that movies are about how they make you feel. Uh, I'm nearly brought to tears every time I watch this movie. So Mm -hmm. I understand that uh, to the Hollywood elites like yourselves. Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the media. um, It might not stack up with all of the the technical uh, details that are needed in order to give this thing awards. But... Uh, in my heart, which is how I pick my March Madness bracket and, and do everything else uh, to to many faults. Uh, it stacks up as as one of the greatest films of all time. So there you go. Yep. It's like Butch Casting the Sundance Kid hook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, this movie feels a lot like it got over edited to me. It feels like maybe they just needed more time, which I think I have this at the bottom, but I want to let's let's just do it now. Let's say this movie let's say it's 2021 netflix is like we're gonna spend 150 million dollars revisiting peter pan do you want a 10 episode netflix series about the hook universe what story are we going to are we doing the same story the hook story but we're blowing out like all the details we're explaining stuff do you want a prequel or do you want peter a prequel of peter coming back like the in-between years after he leaves called the rufio tales like what what aspect are we doing if we've got six hours i'm a big time backstory guy here Uh, so yeah i i like i really like your idea of going with the six to ten episode um series here and uh i want to know more about how everybody got to neverland i guess like what's i know there's a in the if you've read peter pan the original book there's a little bit of a backstory to captain hook uh something about how he 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 was the quartermaster for uh for long 
Long John Silver, I believe, or something like that. But he also went to a prep school in, in England. So uh, it'd be fun to learn more about that. And then, like, what's he doing in this magical fairy tale world? Mm-hmm. How did he get there? Uh, what's that? How did he get there? Yeah, how did he get there? Uh, I mean, that's because the, the most tear-jerking part of this whole movie for me is is the sequence in the movie where uh, Peter realizes his past and he goes back and it's like, uh, he runs away from his family and stuff, which is just heartbreaking for me. Uh, and then he, yeah, he, he flies back into the real world and his family is like moved on without him and they've, they have a new kid and they've forgotten about him and he finds new windows that have not been shut closed on him and, uh, and then meets Wendy. And, um, so yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Like those backstories, I think, but I don't really have any interest in figuring out uh, what happened to, to Peter in the meantime in the real world. Like when he when he comes back and Wendy rescues him as an old lady. Yeah, I like the magic, Scott. I gotcha. Yeah, I I could get behind the Rufio tales so quickly. Okay. Just not even a question. Like it would be. I'd be like, yeah, just beam it into my eyes. Give me the Rufio tales. Give me 10 hours of just like Peter Pan leaves. There's a power void. Lost Boys versus Captain Hook. Charismatic leader. How he, yeah, he steps into the void there to lead the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was he around? He, maybe he had to be around when Peter was around too. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure. Did he come afterwards? That's, I guess that could be answered by this. Yeah, I would assume so. I, I kind of don't think that there's like a lot of immigration to Neverland. Um, not for any like political or like policy reasons. I just think logistically it's very difficult to get there. Maybe, and the kids don't really grow up. You know, it could be, they don't really need immigration to fill the, the void there, even though they're not procreating, so. Yeah, I mean, cause it's just, it's, it's uh, a world that's stuck in time, so. Yeah. Very much so. I don't think, uh, I think Rufio was definitely there when Peter was there and he, he stepped up and he, he was a big champion of Neverland for a little while there before he obviously met his, uh, his eventual demise here in Hook. Yeah. So that would be an interesting storyline too. Like uh, maybe Rufio is originally upset that Peter left and, mm-hmm. and caused all this chaos and stuff, but then there's that growth period and he has to work on himself to be able to step up and lead this, this group of, uh, Lord of the Flies type kids. It's kind of a miracle there wasn't a Lord of the Flies, actually. Like, none of the Lost Boys ate each other. And I think that alone should be celebrated. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, why aren't there any Lost Girls? It's a good question. See, that's something that uh, if they made the movie today, too, I'm sure there would be some Lost Girls. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I think uh, um, some forethought, too. They diversified the Lost Boys a lot. Uh, for the early 1990s, which is good. Yeah. Um, and then also, no mention of the the Native Americans on Never or in Neverland, mm-hmm. which uh, I think that's a good move too. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, you want to get into the categories here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, winners. What do we love about this movie? God. Um, well, I mean, where do I start? Do we want to? Can, uh, let's see. I think, like I said in the beginning, just the 
the emotion that it brings out from the the wonder and the fear and trepidations of childhood. And uh, I'm a big time traveling movie guy as well. Mm. Uh, I think there's like this desire to escape your own world and the, and then exploring the consequences of that is a really interesting thing to me. Like movies like uh, Back to the Future or, or Click or uh, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Of course, all classics. Yeah. And then Hook falls right into that. I think uh, an interesting thematic device that I haven't heard people talk about with this movie is that um, Peter Pan, like the parallel between his time in Neverland and his current job. So uh, he's always having to be reminded to focus on the things that matter, on the important things in life. Like he went to Neverland, forgot or left his family. Now he's got his job that he's totally focused on. He's a total dick. uh, And he's not not thinking about his family at all. Not the important things. So he's a he's a guy that's very into himself and uh, and what he's doing. And in that regard, I think he could be a good distance runner. Because <laughs> uh, like if, if he made it'd be like Peter Pan, like, oh, I just I just got back from my long run. It was great. I got massage. I got PT. And then he's like, what? Peter Pan's got kids. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even thinking about it. Not at all. No, he's pretty self-centered. I think that's a good point. Yeah. So like that, that kind of thing. I, I like that exploration of that, uh, that time traveling device. Gotcha. Um, I, I wrote something similar. I wrote just how adultish Peter is like no childishness is in him anymore. It's all gone hundred percent. Like, which is, I think, I mean, it's obviously important. Like it doesn't really work if he still has like a sparkle in his eye but I had forgotten about that aspect from when I'd watched it many years ago that this guy was like hundred percent business, hundred percent adult, like 0% humanity basically. Which is not how you would expect Robin Williams to be in a, in a movie like this. Yeah. It almost feels like uncomfortable having seen him in movies like patch Adams and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and even his role in goodwill hunting, where he's like all about the humanity in life as opposed to sort of his almost robotic nature in this one. Yeah. If, if this is your first introduction to Robin Williams, uh, I think keep going, keep, yeah. don't <laughs> give up on him. Yeah. Don't give up on him. But, uh, I think as a, as an adult, people kind of like that, like the adults watching this movie, maybe like that, that viewpoint that like, Hey, yeah, I'm, like we need to remember how to be kids and, and that whole thing. But as a kid watching this, you're like, this guy's a loser. Yeah. He needs to have fun. He needs yeah. to loosen up. Robin Williams doesn't loosen up and have fun enough, uh, which is, which is not the case like in, in all of his other movies. Mm-hmm. All right. What else you got? Uh, definitely hook. Definitely Dustin Hoffman. Like, okay. That is a, I, I think it's an Academy award winning performance in my opinion. Like he's, He's just captivating. I want to. I want to listen. I want to listen to all of his lines. I want to. I want to watch every move he makes. Uh, like he just steals the scene in, in every every scene he's in. Like his performance is incredible. That very first scene when they're on the pirate ship and Smee's introducing him, and then he just comes out and uh, and gives this incredible speech and shoves Glenn Close into the boo box, whatever that is, uh, when they just drop scorpions on her. 
That was Glenn Close? That was Glenn Close dressed as a man wearing a beard. Yeah. I'm looking this up immediately. Keep speaking and talking about that. That doesn't seem correct. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there are a ton of cameos in this movie that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely Dustin Hoffman's performance. And like I said, like that was my introduction to, to villains in movies. And I think villains are far more interesting than heroes. Uh, because, I mean, there's, only, there's very few ways to be a good guy, I think. Like that it's all written out. And usually like the storylines for a hero in a movie are like, oh, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, he needs to, he needs to figure it out. He just, and then, and then it's this process of him like learning how to accomplish his goals or something. But from the beginning, a villain's got it figured out and he knows exactly what he wants. And in the, and there's always interesting reasons why he wants what he wants. Um, and I think this, this movie plays on that, that well, but just the, if you go back and, and listen to some of the quotes from Hook too, like in, or from Dustin Hoffman in that first speech, it's they're like, they're amazing. They're just, I mean, they're simple and they're funny, but even lines like uh, when, when Peter's trying to climb up the top sail to touch the outstretched hands of his kids and Hook's, and he's like, oh, somebody give me a hand. And Hook's like, I already have. Yeah. <laughs> So I, you know, you were correct. That was Glenn Close in a beard. Would have never guessed that. Very strange choice by everybody involved. Her especially. Was she just so enamored with the Peter Pan story that she was willing to spend one day on the set and like get thrown in a box with a scorpion? I don't know. I mean, I think like from what I was reading, people wanted this movie to be like the biggest thing to happen since The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Like this whole, like the, the sound stage stage that they worked on was the the same one that they made the wizard of Oz in. So they're like, this is, this is going to be the next big thing. So I think everybody wanted to be a part of it. Like Phil Collins is in this. Yeah. As the police officer, just no mention of how famous Phil Collins is. Yeah. David Crosby's in this. We get a young Gwyneth Paltrow. Yep. I think that's her. Was that her first role? It might've been. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, definitely Hook. Hook is my, or Dustin Hoffman as Hook is my biggest win. Okay. I, yeah, I really liked um, the nihilistic sort of depression that they wrote into him. Like where he is talking about how there's nothing left for him to live, but he is so narcissistic that he can't kill himself. It's like a shark, shockingly dark piece of humor. And I, I loved it. I couldn't, I like, it's like so drawn into that one scene. It was, might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, Smee, get up off your ass and stop me, Tr Smee, try and stop me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you can't do that with a hero, too. It's no. You have to do. Yeah. A hero just plays dumb until he figures it out. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, and in that, in that case, I feel like this movie may be, uh, it's the Matrix before the Matrix happened. Wow. Yeah. Because the Matrix is all about like Neo trying to like he's got to believe that he's the one. And mm -hmm. uh, there's this yeah back and forth with like, oh, nobody else can tell you that you're the one you like you have to figure out for yourself. And if, if you don't do that, then you're not the one kind of thing. And this is yeah Peter going back into a different world and and figuring out for himself that, oh, yeah, you are the pan. That's right. He is the pan. Mm -hmm. OK, I 
I like that. That's very, uh, very fun. Very fun thing to think about there. Do you think the Wachowskis uh, like watched Hook and were like, we could do this better. Like, let's just do this, but with computers. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the Wachowskis were big Peter Pan fans. The Matrix script had been like being worked on and workshopped and floating around for many years before it was eventually released in 1999. So, it, you know, I think Hook is certainly one of the founding texts. Yeah. Agent Smith. Like I, maybe you could draw some parallels there with Captain Hook. Sure. Sure. A steward, really, of the, the world in which the hero has to inhabit. It's the smell. It's yeah. repulsive. There you go. <laughs> yeah, another great villain. Yeah. Did you catch uh, Smee being big with the prostitutes of ne- Neverland? Oh, put your faces on, girls. Yeah. Here comes Smee, yeah. Yeah, I uh, thought that was a nice little touch, like a little adult humor that like uh, a seven-year-old Scott definitely didn't get. Right, yeah, I mean... Three-year-old Jeff didn't know what prostitutes were yet. No. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, I. I was like, "Who are these? Who are these people? Uh, there are women in Pirate Land, but I don't know what their jobs are." Those are the only women there. Yeah, that's not that's not yeah. a good look for the pirates. They need to. Yeah. They need yeah. to offer more that's... opportunities. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why Glenn Close put on a beard. She was like, "I." She's like, "I find she's a woman who finds herself in Neverland, and she's like, I can't be." can't be prostituting. I need to work on the ship. That's yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Maybe that we should explore her story arc a little bit more. Maybe she started in, in the, the prostitution area and then was like, this is not the life for me. Hmm. Uh, it's a pirate's life for me. Yeah. She, she throws on a beard and tries to tries to fit in, but she's the stranger amongst them and, and she, she was weeded out. Yeah. She said the plundering looks fun. <laughs> the plundering always looks fun. Yeah. All right. What else you got for winners, Jeff? Oh man. Let's see. Do we need to keep going here? Um, you know, Maggie Smith. Yep. She's definitely a, that's a winner for me. I, I think I want to say she was in her fifties when the movie was made. Okay. Well, she's still, she's still with us now. I think she's yeah. now, so that would make sense. Yeah, and so that makeup is incredible. Yeah, um, but people see this is something that that always gets me, and people people knock me for having this opinion. I think the saddest part of of this movie too is is the love story between Peter and Wendy. Uh, and then people are always like, "Jeff, that's disgusting." Like she's she's an old woman, and he's he's a a middle-aged guy but uh they were the same age at one point like that's yeah. the, that's the whole point like he was off doing his own thing and like and forgot about her and there's that scene where he just he comes back like to like through the window time and time again and she ages every single every single point and he just he didn't realize the uh the consequences of him like going off and doing his own thing for as long as he did and and he's left it to the point where she's an old woman now. Sort of a Benjamin Button-esque relationship. Yeah. Where uh, there's love at the in the one part, but really it it has to become almost like a caretaker relationship at various points. Yeah. And so like she says, uh, 
when she's talking to him and trying to get him to realize who he is, she's like, oh, I wore a pink satin sash at, at my, on my wedding day, hoping that you would come in and like, uh, okay. object to my vows. And like, that's so sad. Yeah. I think you don't think that that's not sad. Lindsay, come on. <laughs> she doesn't get this. You would think that she'd want me to think this way and be more romantic like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's not, maybe she's just trying to steer me away from old women, which is not the case. Like, I'm not going in that direction. This is just, uh, like, they yeah, were the same age at one point. Specifically. What's that? Wendy Darling, specifically. That's the one year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm young Wendy Darling. Gwyneth Paltrow, Wendy Darling. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably a lot of men who are right there with you. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, well, he's he's got this this love, uh, this this relationship with Tinkerbell, too. And and she she really wants him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you got to feel for her, too, because she's like ever since or from the very beginning, she's like, oh, this is this is my guy. Like, like, I'm, I, I saved him and and we did everything together. And then he just left me and went to the other world. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, and, uh, you know, there's going to be some issues, I think, with a. A, a Tinkerbell Peter Pan relationship, though. I mean, it's going to be it's just going to be tough for him. There's obstacles that I'm not sure they're going to be able to get over. Um, like size, for example, like um, not, this isn't, you know, going into anything too lustful, but it's just, it's tough to have a relationship with someone you can put in your pocket. Yeah. That's a yeah. good point. Um, I, I don't know. Up in that one scene, but like, can she do that all the time? It's that's important. How are they going to cuddle? I don't even know how that happened. Like how did yeah. she, she broke her house and got big. Yeah. I don't know. Cuddling would be an issue mm -hmm. uh, when you're, when you're the size of a fly. Yeah. Like, are you going to, like, I assume she'd have to be big spoon all the time. Cause if he rolled over onto her, she, he'd crush her. He would crush her. I mean, you could roll over the other way too. So that's true. Spooning is completely out of the, out of the realm of possibilities. See, that's something that like, if you, if you had a relationship with Tinkerbell, you weren't even thinking about that. And, and like, yeah, that relationship wouldn't last long because you'd crush her. Yeah. You'd be like, man, this is a great movie, but I sure am tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Not again. I have to get over these fairies. Oh no. Clap your hands. Clap yeah. your hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that's uh yeah peter's peter's many love interests that he's uh, oblivious to i guess yeah those are wins i think yeah what about you do you have wins for this oh, i have a lot um most of them are more surface level but i really really like the line we mentioned maggie smith the line when wendy says oh peter you've become a pirate Mm. or she knows the whole story she remembers peter pan and this is the complete antithesis of of everything he used to represent yeah oh i got another win i got yeah. another win and uh i love that i love that line too oh peter you've become a pirate yeah not uh, your best accent you've done some good ones this this pod i really respect you for it that one bottom shelf though should i try again no Go for it. run it back oh peter you've become a pirate no, that wasn't good. Yeah, that got worse. That like leaned into the sort of like older man, like leering um, <laughs> there. So let's move, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Big, my biggest win, and I can't believe that I, I left this out from the beginning. Uh, the soundtrack. Soundtrack. I think 
this is this is a controversial hot take and you can cut this up and put it out uh on whatever wherever you put this thing out i don't know if you you can cut this sound bite and put it on instagram or something you hear that chavez we're gonna do a breakout here yeah it's uh yeah we're breaking out into different mediums we're we're going into the into neverland yeah all uh, right what's the take what's the take we're gonna be putting on instagram john williams greatest soundtrack wow all right uh so for all the non-soundtrack nerds let me pull up a list of john williams soundtracks do it this is gonna be a great uh breakout with like 15 seconds of just silent i've got i've got sabers pointed at me right now with that take gotcha all right john williams soundtracks star wars jurassic park star wars R rise of skywalker jaws harry potter star wars star wars star wars et jfk star wars schindler's list raiders of the lost ark empire strikes back more harry potter close encounters saving private ryan home alone the patriot indiana jones angela's ashes memoirs of a geisha uh catch me if you can american journey Honestly, I still haven't even gotten to hook on this list. This isn't uh, a ranking, though. No, you want me to pull up ranked? I don't know. Do they have that? Do they rank John Williams soundtracks? Because I got all right. This is from classicfm.com. So disagree if you so choose. Uh, Jaws, Superman the movie, Empire Strikes Back. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Seven Years in Tibet, Saving Private Ryan. Wait, this is a Harry ranking. Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That's a ranking on a different website. And Hook doesn't even get in the top 10. And I need you to respond to this. These people don't know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah, the Hook soundtrack, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's uh, from the... You are the pan moments to the fighting scenes to like the villain walking out, which is something that John John Williams is incredible with. We know that he's he knows how to introduce a villain. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, um, Darth Vader. What do they call that? The uh, um, uh, the Emperor's March, or there that or that the tune to Darth Vader walking out. I don't know the little ditty that they put together. Uh, yeah, so we know that he's he's good at that, but Hook, Hook tops the list for me. It I can watch, I can listen to that soundtrack, and I can know what is happening in the movie without watching it. The Imperial March. The Imperial March. That's it. Yeah. Um. All right. We got a hot take from Jeff. John Williams's best soundtrack, maybe the greatest film composer, uh, in the last fifty years. Best movies hook. Yeah, John Williams and Hans Zimmer. Yeah, those are the two. Those are the two battling for the throne. Yeah, but Hook. I mean, disagree with me if you want, but you're wrong. Hook's the greatest soundtrack that John Williams ever produced. This is a like a deep film nerd cut that will just if like this if this podcast ever gets in the hands of like some real film nerds, they might have an aneurysm with that take. It's just, it's so hot. They're going to burn themselves. They're going to burn their ears. No, if they're real film nerds, they'll agree with me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. 
Um, <laughs> we'll get back to winners here then. Uh, I love Robin Williams' physical acting. I think when he gets to Neverland, the way he moves is just like, it's really like kind of mesmerizing to just watch him sort of act without saying anything. But I don't know that there's many other actors who can who can kind of do that, commit that hard to like movements. Yeah. Uh, like the, when he first gets there or when he's like jumping off of stuff too, trying to fly. Yeah. yeah. And when he's sort of going through Lost Boy boot camp and his three day, his three day training for the big battle. Yeah. Uh, it's really impressive. And then when he finally does realize he's pan and he's like cut, he's doing the the chicken wing thing and he's sort of dancing around. It's um, Oh, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then the, go ahead. Oh, they left out the the chest shaving scene though, or the chest waxing scene in there. Because you know Robin Williams is just yeah covered in, in hair. But he's a great man. He's he's completely smooth. Mm, good for him. Uh <laughs> good for him. Yeah, the Lost Boys HQ still looks awesome. I'm almost 30 years old, but like if you gave me a day in Lost Boys HQ, I would be sad when it was over. I would not be bored for even a second. How did the, how did nobody ever make that like in a in some theme park somewhere? Oh, I think people tried. So I'm going to tell you a little story. This has nothing to do with Hook. But when I was like between 8 and 11 years old, I had multiple birthday parties at this place called jungle quest which was it had like rope swings and it was it was honestly basically lost boys hq i was hope it it's like a like zone? Does. what's that was it like a discovery zone i don't know what's discovery zone it was like ball pits and it was really bright colors but it was an indoor type thing with yeah swings and stuff yeah jungle quest was more it was more earth tones it was more jungly as one might expect but it basically sounds like the same thing I would prefer the jungle aesthetic, I think. It's a great, it was a great time. Uh, I don't think it still exists. I'm sure they went out of business, but um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, Lost Boys HQ is uh, really top notch. Uh, the chants, Bangarang and Rufio, just wonderful. Those wonderful are wonderful things to yell. Yeah, and the, he can fly, or you could fly, you can fight, and you can... I was waiting for you to crow for me. So. Oh. Ah! <laughs> Something like that. There it is. There it is. Yeah. But Bangarang, yeah. we, we got to bring Bangarang back. I mean, that's I sometimes I do it in, in text or something when I agree with somebody or or like just as an acknowledgement instead of saying, OK, you just write Bangarang. Bangarang. Um, but yeah, bring that back. I would imagine in the late 90s early 2000s there were a lot of high school boys cross-country teams that yelled bangerang on the star line when they had their little huddle and one of the reasons i know this scott smith let me know that he did his team did in fact yell bangerang man i know that you don't like scott smith very much but hate him can't stand him i'm a big like i'm a big scott smith fan and uh, and that just endears endears him to me even more their team was pretty good i mean they made nxn uh, their first year that that was a thing. So maybe there's something to it. Maybe the bangerang propelled them. I remember Scott Smith uh, running cross country in high school. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I was a middling cross country runner from Northern California. Um, and yeah, I remember those those white and blue striped Dana Hills uniforms. 
Scott Smith was a he's a cool surfer guy from down south. Yeah, I mean, surfer guys who run cross country are like the coolest guys that you can find, at least in California. I'll uh, we're gonna have to cut that out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, yeah, we don't want this to become too much of a Scott Smith love fest. Yeah, this is about Hook. All right. Um, Villains. Yeah, we'll throw him in the dust. He would have. He'd be a pirate. He'd be a pirate. Scott Smith would be a pirate. No, he'd probably be a lost boy. He loves video games and being childish. So, uh, <laughs> you know. But anyways, <laughs> we're very off track. What would Woody McQuaid be? Woody McQuaid would be. He would be a lost boy for sure. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think. I mean, the, a big win is also just the lost boys, like yeah. the thud and noodles how about the names for the lost boys pockets wonderful you know thud if we're gonna get into the thud thing his hamstring flexibility world-class top-notch oh, yeah. he could really ball himself up should have been a gymnast he should have yeah he could be a sumo wrestler those guys are pretty flexible that's right yeah he was um somehow got his his knees behind his head and just rolled down those little ramps like a little bowling ball Wonderful, wonderful hamstring flexibility. Not talked about enough, but um, really for the ages, hamstring flexibility. Yeah, good for him. I don't have that. No. And, uh, you know, Peter, with a very progressive choice, people are going to hammer him for maybe taking the affirmative action route, but I like it. I think Thud's, Thud, leaving Thud in charge was smart. He's the man. He was quick to come over to Peter's side, realize he was the pan, but, um, but he seems responsible. He seems like he's going to do a good job. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, he had Toodles marbles too. So yeah, that's he, right. He held on to him that whole time. He's a thoughtful guy. Clearly shows some organizations, organizational skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was a deep cut. Toodles marbles. <laughs> I've lost my marbles. <laughs> you lost my marbles. He's got the, he's got, well, when you do a Toodles impression though, you have to like whistle through the sides of your mouth like an old person does because they're lacking teeth. Hmm. I've lost my marbles, like that kind of thing. <laughs> that was that was better than your Maggie Smith impression. Yeah, well, because she's not actually old; she's fifty. Yeah, and you are old. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm an old man. Yeah. Um, all right, I got one more winner for you. Uh, I think Rufio's outfit would crush a New York Fashion Week this year. Like, put him in the next New York Fashion Week. I don't know if there's a winner of Fashion Weeks, but he would win. I agree. I mean, when the Lost Boys go to war, uh, what they dress up in, I I wanted to figure out how to do that when I was a kid, like climbing trees and hopping around the neighborhood and stuff, and just trying to uh, pretend to fight trees and things. But like they bust through the, basically like some some Venetian blinds or something. Mm. And, and that's their armor. And then they throw on these super cool helmets. Um, but yeah, Rufio is, is the king. Uh, skunk head with too much moose. Yeah. Um, oh, quick story about Rufio, actually. Um, so I don't know. Well, you're, you're, you were a Portland guy for a while. Did you ever go to Jones Bar in Chinatown? Yeah. Yeah, Jones Bar. So that's, that's where uh, people go to be pretty irresponsible and it's a it's a 90s dance club so usually there at like 2 a.m in the morning at some point it's off of i think davis or or cooch and like second but 
um, yeah, you're not making good decisions there usually. Uh, but we were there one night uh, as we as we were back then in the like what was this maybe seven years ago or something like that. Um, and it was probably 1.30 in the morning. We were just dancing as you do on the on the dance floor. And all of a sudden, uh, the music stops and the DJ comes on. And he's like, hey, everybody, Rufio's here. And this guy jumps up onto the bar and looks down at us and does the the thing like this, like where he's like. He's doing yeah. the chin thing. Yeah, the chin finger thing. He's yeah. Yeah, fingering his chin thing. You're gonna have to describe the your emotions a little bit because this is an audio audio medium. No one will see you. Yeah, I'm not used to this. Um, yeah, so he he did he did the like the finger flutter like flutter chin thing, and he's smiling, and and everybody's like, oh man, this like Rufio's here, and and everybody just started yelling bangarang and crowing and stuff, and and he just loved it, and it was it was Rufio, I swear to it that to this day. Like it was Dante Bosco there. I could recognize his smile. If anybody can recognize his smile, it's me. You've seen this. Yeah. I mean, you are the number one hook fan, I think. Yeah. We were all sweaty, kind of like dancing on the dance floor and like just just feeling like some lost boys because we definitely weren't dancing with with women. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Rufio saved us. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I did not expect to have a personal rufio story in this podcast but i'm really glad that we did that's fun it was fun you should have been there do we have any more winners or should we move on to the losers oh i have one more winner i'm sorry okay the durability of the flip phones that his old flip phone gets thrown out of the window buried by a dog in some snow still rings a full day later i think we should go back to them yeah yeah, you're right about that. They don't make things like they used to. No, of course not. I mean, you know, these new iPhones, you got to drop a water on them. They're done. Got to go back to the old Motorola's. Yeah, Motorola. They weren't thinking like, how fragile can we make this thing so that people will buy more more brick Motorola flip phones? They were mm -hmm. just thinking about churning out good products. And, and they did. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, let's let's make this screen fragile. But I mean, they are coming out with the ceramic thing, but I have my suspicions about the, the durability of that still. Whoever made the, the hook flip phone, we should just, he should be in charge. He or she should be in charge of making all phones forever. I want a hook themed Motorola flip phone. Okay. Can I just have the antenna coming out the top shaped like a, like a hook? Like a hook. Yeah. I don't know how many calls you would get, but that <laughs> might actually be a better thing. Yeah, that would be tough. I, I would want the, the sharp end facing away from me, too, I think, so that I don't yeah. just pierce my ear every time. Mm -hmm. Although, pierced ears, pretty cool. Yeah, that's stylish, but I don't want, like, 50 holes in my ear. No. It might hit the same hole every time, and you could, like, get a little gauge. Maybe I don't. Maybe it's hands-free, then. That's right. Yeah, you could just hang just hook it right through your ear, dangles right in front of your mouth. I think we're on to something. Yeah, those things weigh like 12 pounds probably, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get on to the losers here. Do you have any losers? Of course not. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do have a loser. Why doesn't Robin Williams have an accent? That's a good question. It's a really good question. Uh, 
Yeah, he should have a British accent. I mean, they can't. I feel like they try to cover it up in the movie by saying like, "Oh, I was adopted by my American parents, Hank and Jane Banning," uh, but he was thirteen at that point. Yeah. Okay, you stumbled onto something. It's Banning. I yeah. thought it was Panning, and I hated it. That's one of my losers. Is that his last name was Panning? And I was like, so this, his name was Peter Pan, and then he got adopted by a family named Panning, and now he became Peter Panning. No, that was confusing to me. No, scratch that off your losers list. Rotten Tomatoes just jumped, jumped up to like thirty-five percent now. Thirty-five percent. Boom. It's banning. Banning. Good to know. Good to know. A cold, uh, selfish man who drinks too much and doesn't spend enough time with his wife and children. <laughs> I think if we ever, if, like, we're going to get to the recasting thing. I don't think we even need to recast Hook. We've got you right here. Please. You already know all the lines. I'm just a phone call away on my Hook-themed Motorola brick phone. We'll even send you a, we'll get you points on the package, just like Dustin Hoffman. You know, no salary up front. Make sure the project gets done. We'll get you some VHS sales when it goes to market. That sounds great to me. Yeah. I, yeah. I would do this on just straight VHS sales. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. The runtime. This is a kid's movie. Two hours and 21 minutes. That's a long runtime for a kid's movie. These days. I mean, back then, what are kids doing? What are their options? Go outside and play? I don't think so. No, not at all. Wouldn't want to be too much like the Lost Boys. Right. Yeah. You want to watch kids having a good time. Not actually do it. Yeah. So, I mean, kids haven't changed too much, I guess. Their their attention span is just a little shorter. But yeah, two hours, 21 minutes is a long time. And I also heard that they cut like 40 minutes out of it. It's not surprising. There's huge like holes in the plot that we don't never even understand. All right. Like how did Hook and Smee know so much about the Jack Peter dynamic? Do they have some sort of like real world, like Neverland scouting division that's sending them back reports? They, I mean, they had the, the giant like uh, parchment rolled up script paper that they were re- referencing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't make it to his son's baseball game. Uh. I see. How did they know that? How did they even get to London? Like Hook decidedly cannot fly. I thought, yeah, I thought he was stuck in Neverland. Like, yeah. Why is why didn't he just move to London? That sounds like an awesome life for him. He doesn't even like Neverland. He's got to just kill Lost Boys all the time. Who cares? Is it? I mean, this is just me trying to defend the movie, but uh, is it? that he's he's waiting for his war with Peter Pan and then that will free him. It's destiny. Like after he kills Peter, he'll he'll transition. Yeah. Then yeah. He can, then he can move on to a, a nice office, corner office job and <laughs> in the financial sector of London. I think he'd do great. Um clearly has a pension for drinking and probably loves cocaine. I can't confirm that, but I Hook seems like a coke guy to me. He does, yeah. Yeah. And he loves those disgusting looking turkey legs too. Is that big in the London financial district? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I think that's that's seems to be big in Neverland, but yeah. maybe he'd yeah, you'd have to find a special guy for that in London, I think. I actually I'm gonna be honest, I have a real problem with like, not being able to fly. Like I know it's a kid's movie, but the whole point of Peter learning how to fly is that he finally like embraced his childhood. Like he thought of something that he made him really, really happy. And like, that's a part of hook that he's devoid of that part of his brain and heart. Like he can't 
possibly think of anything so happy. Like, how could he possibly have stolen those kids? Huh. Wait. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, you, yeah, because he, he would have had to fly into London, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he did that. That's something I just kind of let, I don't, I don't know, let, let happen. Didn't yeah, do I don't think I really had like a huge problem with it when I was watching this, when I was sick from school, but watching it as an adult, it was a tough beat. But we've seen what happens to people who question whether Hook can do things or not. They usually win. Well, they end up in the boo box. They do end up in the boo box, yeah. Which, another loser, very dark. Do not want to end up in the boo box. No. I mean, you don't want to end up there. But And I was like, why, why are they doing this? But then I thought, this is a good... Uh, this is a good mechanism that they can use because Hook comes out and everybody's like, oh, yeah, this guy's throwing out a bunch of great lines. I love him. Like he's a, he's got a lot of charisma. And then they have to use something to 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 get people to be scared of him. Like, oh, yeah. man, like I don't want to end up in a tiny uh, chest with scorpions being dropped on me. Yeah, the stakes got raised really quickly. Who thought of that? Like, that's such a strange thing, though. I bet it's like something that actually happened in real pirate times. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would not be surprised if I read something about like um, Blackbeard and he had a boo box. Yeah. That makes more sense. I, I mean, cause it, it just seems, uh, yeah, it would seem strange to me if they're sitting around the writer's table and some weird guy at the end of the table is like, what if we, like dropped Glenn close into a chest and then put scorpions on her and yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go with what the weird guy says. Yeah. All right, Steve. But seriously, that was a pretty good idea. He probably just throws that suggestion out to every movie he's in and it finally stuck too. Yeah. He's finally, I've been like, they just couldn't do it in snow white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So the story about how Peter became an orphan is truly absurd. You're telling me that this loving couple, all that came that happened was he was in a stroller and the wind picked up and he rolled away and his mom was like, let's get another one. <laughs> like, it's truly insane. It's sad. Uh, I mean, but I mean, they define it in the in the movie too that he ran away, which as a as the baby that size, like, I don't I don't know how you could think about running away or causing that wind to push the stroller. Yeah, I thought that was a tough. Uh, it's like, I don't know. They're just like, baby's gone. That was it. That was the whole. That person should not be allowed to have kids again. That's true. I mean, the mom did seem pretty motivated though about what she was very like. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna go to this prep school and then he's gonna go to Oxford and then he's gonna prepare for a judgeship and stuff. So maybe there wasn't a whole lot of love in the in the relationship to begin with. It was like, oh well, that one. That yeah. one left. We gotta we gotta make another one in order for in order to stick to the plan. You know what's easier than chasing a stroller down a hill is labor, I've heard. <laughs> labor in, in the 1890s. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Um, so that was absurd. And then look, are we talking about Tinkerbell's thing for Peter? Um, but my last loser. As I know this is a kids movie. I know there's, I got to suspend disbelief. I know it's based in magic, but Hook's death is like an abomination. Yeah, that, yeah that's the one thing. Uh, if I had to pick one thing in this movie, that's like 
come like come on that like you got what what did you what did you say like 70 million dollars in in budget here yeah that's inexcusable he just disappears under a stuffed crocodile and then the crocodile belches he jumps into the crocodile's mouth basically and then the dead crocodile burps yeah like no movement by the crocodile before no. this at all no it was, was horrible he just got his stomach punctured by a hook and you could see that it's it's like it's very hard and and not lifelike yeah clearly would <laughs> yeah yeah i had a, i had a hard time with that and then it's just like oh hook's gone if i were those lost boys i'd be like this this thing isn't really alive he just yeah. jumped into the mouth watch your backs because he's yeah. back setting it up for hook two probably yeah, I mean, you could do some cool things there with the, uh, uh, like, I mean, two looks like a hook, too. So they really missed out on. The Just poster. for the poster, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I got for losers. I don't want to get too far into it, but. Uh, Thank you, Scott. Thank you. For yeah, that. I know. I'll save it for, save you that sort of, uh, that embarrassment. Um, <laughs> all right. Lines from this movie that would make the best Instagram caption. This is the easiest one we've ever done. There's one line that would do it. What's that? Bang a ring. Oh yeah. When you <laughs> and the squad are ripping together. <laughs> you have to do it in all caps with just a ton of exclamation points too. At least six. Yeah. Bang a ring. Yeah. Is that the only one you have? It's a great that's one. All, that's the top one. It doesn't. We can mention some other ones if you really want, but we're going with bang a ring. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm going to use Bangarang. Well, this is everybody listening to this podcast now. I mean, I know it. it I know it's a ton of people. Uh, just spread Bangarang far and wide. We're bringing it back. It's yeah. uh, you Gen Zers. You better look out. Bangarang's coming for you. I think you should, you know, I mean, I know you've got some impending nuptials. I think you should put Bangarang under your picture from when you guys finally exchange rings and are officially married. You and Lindsay can just Bangarang it up, you know? Well, we probably, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will. Uh, uh, that is not a sex joke. It was just, I think it'd be funny if you put that under your, um, under your, uh, your Instagram, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I realized the sex joke came in after I said it, you know, I don't, that was a total accident. I promise. No, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, I think we're, you know, we're actually going to write bangerang on the top of our wedding cake. Probably. Perfect. Just slice right into it with a pan sword that makes sound effects. If you guys don't have a hook themed wedding, it'll be a complete disappointment. Lindsay told me that uh, after the ceremony, I could dress up in whatever I want to. So whether it's like a whether I I would go for hook, I think I want to I want to storm the dance floor in pure in all pirate regalia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if somebody flew in on a on a slack line or something like that, it and we could just have a nice little sword fight out there, then that would just make my day. That should be your guys' first dance. Oh, it could be. You're right. Yeah, a choreographed sword fight. <laughs> that's some John Williams. The greatest soundtrack of all time. Of course. All right. Um, let's get to the recasting category, the GM right, category. How about how about more quotes? How about... Uh, all right, rattle them off, rip them off. What about good form, Peter? Good form. Come on. Good form. I like that's a that's a Captain Hook thing. Yeah, maybe when you're doing drills. Yeah, good form. Or 
if you're uh, if you're getting ready to announce your next race or something like that, you could say, due to my indefatigable good form, I'm running Chicago. There you go. Something like that. Uh, obviously, he can fly, he can fight, and he can. Yeah, that's right. You can use a bunch of chicken emojis. Rooster emojis, sorry. That's how you do it. I was wondering how you'd write that out. Yeah, but that works. That's a world-class crow. Thank you. I've been practicing. And and I'm in Portland, too, so when I practice outside, rooster... They, they crow back, yeah. But yeah, okay, that's good with the quotes. We can move on if you want. All right, let's get to the GM category. Who do you got for Peter? I mean, I think it's tough to recast uh, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Um, let's see. Because he, I don't know who you'd put in there. I don't know if you put like a like a Jared Leto or something. Or I don't wow. know. You, I don't know. I if know people put, can't see the face I just made, but I was shocked that you said Jared Leto. I just watched him in The Little Things. He's horrifying. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he would be good. I. I don't know why I said that. Um, let's see. Who else could you put in there? Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> All right. Let you. Let me just tell you who I wrote down. Yeah, please. You're always really good with this. All right. I got three, three like just like same sort of like um, three generic answers, and I got two weird ones. Owen Wilson. Woody Harrelson, Jason Siegel. Woody Harrelson is Peter Pan. <laughs> he can be both like he can be both like deadpan and straight at the beginning, and he can get weird. He can be silly. <laughs> I want to see Jared Woody Harrelson uh, fly around. I do. I want to see him sword fight. Honestly, he could be he could be a hook as well. I don't care. I just want Woody Harrelson in my remake of. You could, we could just, we could just take the kingpin cast. How about you have uh, Woody Harrelson as Peter Pan and Bill Murray as Hook? I'm in. That's that be good. Okay, give me sixty million dollars, seventy million dollars. Woody Harrelson as Peter Pan is amazing. <laughs> and Jason Siegel's pretty good too. What about like a Jason Schwartzman or something? Yeah, that'd be weird. Jason yeah. Schwartzman would be very strange. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, yeah, I like that. I appreciate that. All right. And then uh, for my two outside the box ones, if we're going with a lady Peter Pan. Which is customary. Would, customary. Yeah. In the stage productions, I would love to see Catherine Hahn as the lady Peter Pan and Hook. So Catherine Hahn was uh, most famously um, the wife of Adam Scott in uh stepbrothers oh yeah <laughs> oh, God. and she's got an she's got a show on hbo right now um i would love to see that because she's like a very very good actress she's very funny she's uh, yeah she's hilarious <laughs> yeah that would, I, I would love it it would be so funny it would, it, yeah that would be incredible uh yeah, i like that i like that a lot keep going uh, this is good my other weird one is Daniel Levy from Schitt's Creek. Oh, I don't know if I know. Uh, I, I saw one episode of Schitt's Creek. He just recently hosted Saturday Night Live as well, and he was in um, 
the Christmas movie with Kirsten Stewart uh, that came out over the Christmas season. Is he actually but related to Eugene Levy? There, that's his son. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, and they they actually wrote and created Shit's Creek together. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Daniel Levy, so I can't get excited about that one. But it would be weird. It would be weird. I'm not sure it would work, but I would see it. I'm kind of in on Daniel Levy right now, so I want to give him more, uh, more roles. All right, Wendy. Thank God we do not need to recast her because Maggie Smith is still alive. Still, thank God. Now I you don't need her. makeup too. No, she wouldn't. She is now the right age to play it. Yeah, yeah. She's been, um, she's been Professor McGonagall. She's been in a bunch of really good movies. Let's just send her off with Wendy, Wendy Darling one last time. How about? Well, I mean, you could do this up until recently. Um, rest in peace, Cloris Leachman. Would yeah, have been amazing in that role too. Yeah, I mean, it would have been funny. Yeah, I feel like you know we have a a wealth of elderly female actresses who would crush it, but I'm just really thankful that Professor McGonagall hasn't died yet. Maggie Smith is great. Yeah, she could reprise her role. Yeah, uh, Tinkerbell. I got a few for this one. I want to hear your thoughts though. Zoe de Chanel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. That's Tinkerbell. All right. Uh I don't know. Who do you have? I went. I got a young, middle, and older actresses. Zendaya, if we're going younger uh emma stone if we're going middle like medium aged okay and then kristen bell if we want her a little bit older and very sassy yeah kristen bell could be a good tanker bell i like her in the good place she's great she's mm -hmm. great real comedic timing and she was really funny and um i mean i know like everyone's funny and forgetting sarah marshall but like that's a character that's not supposed to be funny like really like 95% of actresses do not make that show that funny. And she's just, she's likable and she's funny, even in this role where I think we're not really supposed to like or trust her very much. And yeah. so I, I would love it if she would had a, in a lot of ways, like a more likable role. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I like that. I like that. Uh, Kristen Bell. Yeah, Thank Tinker Bell. All right. Last one for the recasting couch, the GM category. Rufio. This is the last. You're not going to recast Hook. We can recast Hook okay. as well. Uh, Rufio. Man, I don't know if I have anybody. I haven't. I didn't think about this one. I have four. Okay. I got Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Oh yeah. Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Cousin Greg from Succession. Oh, uh, I haven't seen Greg, Greg Hirsch. You got to you got to watch Succession, brother. That's what I hear. Yeah, I need to find time where Lindsay's not around too, because I don't think she wants to watch it. I think she'll like it. You got to get through. It's there's like the first three episodes are a little slow, and then you're totally hooked. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the redheaded kid from Shameless. I don't know that one either. That's tough. <laughs> uh, really, any of the kids from Shameless would be fine. 
I'm uh, you down. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, I liked the, the one from Shameless because I think they're kind of they're kind of like Lost Boy vibes, anyways. Uh, I think they could really step into that role with a lot of authority. Yeah. All right, you want to go Captain Hook? Let's go. Yeah, let's go Captain Hook. I mean, I obviously Dustin Hoffman too is did an incredible job there. Yeah. Um. So you want me to throw them out there? Yeah, give me give me a couple. I think at the time. I don't know, like if we were uh, recasting in 1991, you could go with like a Tim Curry. Wow, really good option. Um, maybe now I might go with a Rafe Fines. Mm. Um, it's really fun. Yeah, because he's, uh, I mean, he's a great dramatic actor, but we've also seen from the Grand Budapest Hotel that... Uh, he can he can be comedic too. Um, let's see. You know, someone like I mean, he's so overqualified. This is like actually a dumb suggestion because you're going to say Daniel Day Lewis. No, <laughs> oh. I was going to say Christian Bale. Kind of getting like a reprising his role from Vice, where he's sort of like this benevolent evildoer. Um, I think he could do a do a fun pirate person i think so yeah christian bale would be yeah he'd be really good um what about like a tom hardy uh tom hardy's not really that funny yeah that's true he's just scary yeah um but tom hardy might do it because he got to get to like wear a mask and put on a bunch of makeup and when you wouldn't have to see his face <laughs> that's true christian bale Oh, there was somebody that I was thinking of that just popped into my head and I can't I can't think of it right now. God, whatever. <laughs> we'll we'll let it go. It'll it'll come to me when we're talking about something else and I'll cut you off. Okay. Um let's go to the themes. Let's go to the, the Landry Clark category. Oh uh, I think maybe I would I would put uh Danny DeVito as as me. That's it's a given. That's too easy. And then I might I might take the whole uh, Always Sunny cast and just have them do the thing. That'd be great. Put Rob, Rob McElhenney in charge. <laughs> yeah. Which one would you want to be uh, be Hook? Would it be, it would have to be it had to be Glenn Howard in. It'd have to be Dennis, right? <laughs> yeah, Dennis would be a good Hook. Yeah. Because he'd be kind of like a prim proper Hook. Yeah, the nihilistic like narcissist yeah yeah <laughs> i think we should recast the always sunny cast in more movies just like let them do anything like uh let them do citizen kane as the always sunny characters yeah give them more power yeah let's do it i mean they're kind of like they're on their what 15th season like there can't be that many more always sunnies in them let's just make them let them remake movies <laughs> yeah i mean i'm all for it i think that's a great idea yeah <laughs> watch all of them yeah starting with hook starting with hook you got to do hook first then you can move on to actually good movies yeah whoa <laughs> i just kind of drifted off spaced out and just said yeah when i when you i need to i need to stay uh stay looped in here because you're yeah. you're trying to undercut me stay sharp buddy yeah um all right let's get to landry card category what themes of this movie really stood out to you 
Well, I think I already talked about it a little bit. Um, but I think that, yeah, the new one that, uh, that I was thinking about was just, yeah, Peter, Peter being super into himself and that reflecting in his, uh, his time in Neverland deserting his family, uh, who I guess deserted him as well. I mean, they didn't really care too much. Uh, and then again, just being a cold, selfish man who drinks too much and doesn't spend enough time with his wife and children. Uh, yeah. And focusing on his job. So I think that's, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a song by Eric Burden and the animals when I think about this theme too. And it's, when I think of all the good times that I've wasted having good times. Mm, and the main theme of that time. song is that you waste good times when you're having good times. Yeah. It's a good one. It's really good. Um, I thought this is not so much of a theme of the movie, but it was sort of my inner feeling while I was watching it. Uh, it's incredibly strange to watch a movie from your childhood. That's about the perils of growing up as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, as a kid, I mean, you watch this movie totally differently as a kid than you do as an adult. Yeah. Uh, like as a kid, yeah, I was I, I was terrified of of growing up and and eventually dying. Um, I mean, I, I, I still fear death. I'm not like you. I'm not like you, Fobs. I can't stare into the 26 miles of a marathon and not fear death or or any man. <laughs> um yeah, I remember what I mean, I'm not going to go into uh, whether or not I fear death. I don't even I don't want to not for the sake of the listeners, but really for the sake of myself. I don't know if I'm ready to confront those sort of those sort of truths. Um, but I remember watching this movie and just being psyched about sword fighting, just really want to sword fight. And now I watch this movie and it's like a real. The movie's a real attempt to remind you about the value of relationships. Yeah, yeah. Whether uh, it succeeds is sort of in the eye of the beholder there. Yeah, I agree. It's such a touching scene at the end with the whole family, like uh, hugging each other. I, I mean, I think like, especially at the end when like uh, Moira is sitting there in the chair in the, like there's supposed to be empty beds and, and Maggie Smith comes in and she, and Moira's like, Oh, I can almost, if I if I think about it, I can almost see them like in their bed, sleeping in their beds. And then they like jump up and surprise her. And she basically yeah. has a heart attack on the floor. Like she's so happy. And, yeah. and that's not like as a kid, you watch that and you're like, oh, man, they got mom. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah kind of a big move by the kids to not like to be like, let's just put ourselves to bed and not like find their parents. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, then that that end scene is taken to another level, too, when uh when there's a little bit of happy uh, fairy dust left in Toodle's marble bag and he just douses himself and dances around Big Ben, like flying off to Neverland. Yeah. It's a good ending, I think. It's a, it's a cute ending. But you're right. It's, it's the importance of relationships, I think, and not, and not, not missing out on, on those important things, which, yeah, I hope when you're like, I hope you're devoting yourself to your long runs and, and your massages and your PTs. But um, yeah, maybe give give your mom a call every once in a while. Fobs, come on. I just saw her this weekend, man. You oh, know. yeah, that's right. Oh, we're good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this has been great, man. You got any, We got anything else to say? Um, 
I know I'm going to have a million things to say when we hang up and, uh, and then we're going to need to jump right back on so that I can, I can dish them out to you. But yeah, at this moment in time, I, I think that, um, I, what this movie does, I think I've, I've wanted a remake for a long time and maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be the exact hook story. It could be a, like a, like a different a different look at it uh at the peter pan story i know that because people haven't really executed that well there's that one where there's a what hugh jackman's in it or something and uh and there's a bunch of singing like kids singing pink floyd songs that are slaves (laughs) um but yeah that one wasn't good i liked finding neverland i guess but that's more about jm barry yeah oh uh, it was just called Pan, Hugh Jackman's movie. Yeah, available on Hulu if anyone wants to watch it. It's terrible. Somehow got a worse Rotten Tomatoes rating than Hook. Uh, that's not surprising at all. I uh, Hook deserves better. Yeah, deserves better tomatoes. More tomatoes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I want I want somebody to re like to to revisit this story and maybe it is steven spielberg i don't know maybe he jumps in there again and tries it out yeah because i know he's he's a big peter pan fan and maybe that's why he's so upset at himself for not executing this the way that he felt he should certainly possible yeah well uh thank you so much for doing this man this has been awesome you know god willing we'll be able to do one of these in uh in person pretty soon here um yeah this has been great man uh thank you guys all for listening this episode of showrunners was produced by chris chavez artwork by kyle kosinski and the music is tin man by future islands all right see you later guys thanks for finally letting me do this (laughs) all right chavez we're out